Hi guys, we're coming in with a little pre-show edit here because uh, just a day after we recorded this episode, sadly, Jessica Walters has died at aged 80. Um, she played Lucille Ball, uh, Lucille, Bl- Lucille Ball, Lucille Bluth in, um, in, you know, in, the, in the rest of Dalton. Somehow, despite time. Um, but we just we just wanted to mention this because obviously we don't mention this in the show because we didn't um, we weren't aware beforehand. And it's just something to mark, I think, isn't it? It's like, here's an actor who has been... She won, like, a Grammy, an Emmy in the 70s, in, like, 1975. You know, it, so she's been acting Arrested for Development a long time. feels, like, very much like a... It's all our generation will really know her from. And But I think it must be such a... It's such a significant role that, like, you know, it's very memorable. And of all the people in the show and all the good performances, we just kind of wanted to, like, highlight how how good she is in this show and like you know a bit of a bit of a rest in peace kind of like sort of thing from us really um but enjoy our episode and obviously um we are quite complimentary to her anyway so we're, we're fine on that front <laughs> look out tambler indeed indeed so enjoy the show Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, a podcast where we watch the first episode of something and then we talk about it. My name's David, banana salesman slash child. <laughs> My name's Sam, and I'm your expert in 18th century agrarian business. Are you afraid of an uprising at all? <laughs> uh, my name's Joe, and there's always money in the banana stand. Well done, Joe. Not actually a line from this episode. I will call you out on, but a very I, good line. All of my like, first, ever been a real? All my first ten lines from this show were not from this episode. <laughs> um, this week we watched uh, 2003. If you can remember that, that far back, kiddies. 2003's Arrested Development uh, original air date November the second. Um, and just so I covered all my bases, this aired on the Evil Goliath Fox. Mm, Fox Network. Um, yes, a re- renowned TV show canceller. Yeah, Fox. Yeah, <laughs> and this is one of those the the tragedies of of uh, the Fox Network. Uh, we we last last few weeks we we have done some some longer shows. We've done shows that had to make us think a little bit. We did Walking Dead. We did Suits. Both very good shows, very enjoyable. But you know what? It's nice to sit down in twenty two and a half minutes. And enjoy something that is just pure comfort TV. This is like for me peak comfort, even more so than Friends or something like that. Like this is just I just love every single second of watching this show, um, and it's a real shame that we only had three seasons. Right, guys? Right? That's right, isn't it? Just three. <laughs> that, that's what they should have been. <laughs> oh God! This is we uh, we just did. Um... Uh, Justice League as, a, as an episode for our for our movie side, and we talked talked a bit in that about how like don't give fans what they want. Fans don't know what they <laughs> no. want. They want it, and then you fucking shit from a great height over and over and over again, and like and they lap it up until such time as they're sated. And like Arrested Development was just <laughs> season four was only just okay season five i don't think any of the cast <laughs> i i appeared together i actually I, I was talking to someone about the rest of development and i was like oh yeah it's a shame about the last like the last season 
and they were like, oh yeah, season five was 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 wasn't good. I was like, what? Season five? Like that's not right, is it? And I actually had blanked out or never learned that they'd made a fifth season of this after they made a pretty disastrous fourth season. So is that? I it's, it's, I think I watched the first half of season five, which aired on Netflix two thousand eighteen, maybe, and then the following half aired the next year, and I I didn't bother. I, I've seen all of it, and it's just the the like they basically done it for money. It wasn't good. The, none of the actors Joe, wanted to be there. Why does anyone do anything? Mm. Let's not let's not but, let's not stab at the foundations of capitalism. <laughs> they did it for the, money, the, the, the bastards. But they the, the you know the show started eating itself by that point, and none of the actors really wanted to be there. None of them had time to do it. They all hated uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Um, so and I think it was the one who plays we maybe call him Alaya. Tambor. <laughs> um, Alaya Shawkat or whatever she's called. Like she came out afterwards and she was like she hated every single second of it. She didn't want to be there. And it's like then don't do it. I mean, they didn't like literally put a gun to your head and force. To be you fair, to. I think the accusation of doing it for the money is relatively accurate. But also, you know, like there's there, there was there was a big following for this show and it was cancelled before its time. But it's like bottling. Bottling, uh, you know, magic, isn't it? You're not going to be able to do that uh, seven, eight, nine years after no. you for everyone came together. Just because there's just something about that environment that creates good shows, and obviously some horrible shit as well from uh, from from Jeffrey Tambor. But um, but but there's, just, there's there's also it's also the fact that you know the cast are all really big actors. So obviously they're all really really busy doing millions of other kind of, you know, shows and films and movies and, you know, so it was always going to be really difficult at that point to kind of get them all back on set and that's what they just couldn't do in the end. But it's the trouble with some of these shows which you, you know, especially with Michael Serra, I think, being the the sort of prime example of somebody who was, you know, a nobody when this show was made initially and then went on to become, you know, and Bateman and Arnett and um, Mm -hmm. the other guy, uh, David Cross, Cross, um, like all at the time, you know, David Cross, I think out of those is maybe the the most well-known as a comedian, but like those people have gone on to become really, really, really recognisable actors. I mean, Bateman especially is well, like p- all mm-hmm. over everything. Portia de Rossi, who, <laughs> Portia de Rossi, who is, um, who, you know, obviously has a, a, a career in her own right, but also I think he's married to Ellen DeGeneres or was married to him. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. So there's like, there is some... The thing, with, the thing I was reading about... Um... Michael Sarah, he almost didn't actually get the part because um, he, he, he had visa issues. He's from Canada and almost didn't get the part. And they had somebody else lined up to replace him, and he like managed to get his visa through last minute. So he almost wasn't actually in this, which is a shame. Let's 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 do a little summary. So in in this show, a level-headed son, Michael Blue, takes over family affairs after his father is imprisoned, but the rest of his spoiled, dysfunctional family are making his job unbearable. Um, and it's 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 one of those shows. It's like a a riches to rag story, isn't it? You know, it's it's what happens when when these when these morons are faced with reality, uh, and kind of in the beginning, at least in the pilot, the only moron, the only person who isn't a moron, really, is Michael. Is is Michael Bluth? Everyone else is just like orbiting around him as the main character, <laughs> in terms of like levels of stupidity. Um, and it's a fun on. He's the, he's the straight man, isn't he? He's yes. the like rolls his eyes. Everyone else is ridiculous. Um, just as a side note, don't worry, people at home. Um, rich families very, very rarely experience actual hardship. Much <laughs> like in this show, they don't actually experience <laughs> poverty or hardship. 
They're they're all sitting there in their lovely apartments and houses, um, you know, arguing about where they which fundraising dinner they're going to go to, and yeah, it is. But it and it's it it's kind of in that context, isn't it? Of I think when they were when they were pitching, and we should maybe talk about the the conception now. Um, Ron Howard, who is is you know really instrumental in this, he was he was pitching this in the context of Enron, in the context of like. These total, these total failings of, of of regulation, basically, and what happens when um, <laughs> corporate greed and corruption. Yeah, I know, and, and kind of what happens when that all that all falls apart. Um, so I think it started in two thousand two in terms of the development of this, and it's kind of a weird show and bit of an old fashioned way of doing it in that you had Ron Howard who was the kind of like lead for it and he wanted to create a show about a rag a richest rag story and he wanted to use um the the relatively new handheld digital cameras which were being experimented with for for reality TV and to really kind of like create a, a show that felt quite you know it felt quite new and real but usually that happens from the bottom up. You have some aspiring writer who works really hard in Hollywood and manages to get a pitch in front of Ron Howard who then says, great, I'll help you do this. Whereas he kind of went the other way around. He had this idea. He found writers to do it and then worked with um, Fox and and you know competing with other studios to kind of pitch it. So it's like, when when do you see that type of thing anymore? Especially something so original. You know, so this is such it's- an original idea. It's emblematic of its time. I think there's quite a, like a few. We've talked on previous episodes for any of our longtime fans um, uh, uh, about like the transformative nature of TV at like the turn of the century and how you go from the '90s where you have like quite you know mostly quite traditionally um, inspired and, and traditionally like plotted sitcoms and you have things like the uk office was the one thing i kept thinking of when i was watching this pilot again of like a it's a different format for a show that relies you know quite heavily on that that's almost documentary feel and there is that feel to rest development that documentary feel that much more like raw feel that you get with a handheld camera um and you know you can see the lines while at the same time it's quite you know what I mean? Punchy. It's quite the, the writing is quite punchy, and it's yeah, odds with the office. But you look at a show like this and think, you know, there are like tons of shows since the rest of development that have aimed for a similar sort of thing. I can't think of a single one that's worked. But yeah, <clears throat> it's also how novel it it was as well. You know, this type of thing. It's it's all very new, isn't it? It feels new. It feels like we're. It feels like they were doing something different. Now I don't know about you guys. I'll maybe ask Joe first, but. Did you watch this when it came out at all? Uh, no. I think it must have been about 2014, somewhere there. Yeah, I Dave. watched it somewhere there. Um, I didn't watch it when it aired. Uh, we've talked before, like, the biggest the biggest obstacle for that is that we are, aren't in America. So we would have gotten this a year after it came out at the very earliest. I think I watched this at uni, so maybe like late aughts, uh, so 2009, 2010 maybe. Um yeah, which is mad when you think about like th- th- that's kind of why this show didn't um, go anywhere. This why it was cancelled for having low ratings, and it's one of those shows that I think if it'd come out now, it, it would be a, um, a smash hit. I mean, when when was Arrested Development? Because that's a, that's sorry, 
when was Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Because that's a show that I think is is kind of similar to this in slightly later. 2007, 2008. Yes, perhaps. somewhere around there, I would guess. And I think this is a very, this is a very similar show where you've got, like, you've you've got a, a kind of, a pretty rough idea, and then that is just built upon and built upon with very very strong characters. And 2005, apparently. 2005. So a, a little bit later, a little bit later, but certainly that's the bottom up, bottom up version where you had these these guys in Philadelphia. It's the office version. It was filmed for seventeen pence. Yes. Yeah. You know, on one camera, and they had, especially the, especially the, um, it's always sunny. I think they spent about six dollars on the entire first season of that yeah. show, and it looks. Yeah, it. it was all, it was all, it was all like shot in like two places. There was like Charlie's <laughs> flat and and the bar. Um. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and this feels a bit. This feels much more high um, budget, but you've got considerable sets. I mean, they're on a boat for for the, for, for a start, which is, you know, it's not mega expensive, but it's at least. You're having to spend money, mm-hmm. and then later on, we're in the model home, and there's lots of you know they kind of move around a lot, which I think is um, is is the which is good, but it also reflects the fact that they could, because they were using these new digital cameras, they were able to film and shoot quite a lot. So we get cutaways, we get presumably lots of different takes. You know, I think this was a show that relied quite a lot on rehearsals and rewriting, but also probably ad libbing as well. So there's an element of Fuck it, we'll just do it again. It doesn't matter. We haven't. Well, it's the it's the benefit of, like you said, Sam, coming from Ron Howard, who you know has got credibility and his, who is established, and it's like like you say, it's money. And if you've got the money to make something this complete, like um, you know, the the Office or It's Always Sunny, great examples. But like, there's a noticeable like shifting of gear from the first season to the second season in both of those shows, in terms of like, okay. Uh, sorry, did Office have a second season? That's that's not. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's always sunny, especially like the production values go way up in season two. They get Danny DeVito on, on board, and it becomes a different show. Whereas Arrested Development, like this, hits the ground running. Watching this first pilot, and like honestly, I watched two or three more episodes after it finished. Like okay. it's the quality is already there. Like it's already the show. It was. It was gonna be like from the pilot and like few shows can do that because of budgetary reasons but when you're Ron Howard and you say fuck you I want to make this and they go well all right Ron you've not steered us <laughs> wrong yet you know absolutely absolutely let's um sh- do you want to talk should we short characters should we go through the cast because I think we're going to go long on this because this is a show we love and we could talk about forever so what if we start with the cast and um I think we should start with uh, Michael Played by uh, Jason Bateman. Jason, Jason Bateman. Batman. Bateman. 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 What, what, Bateman. What do we think of Michael Bluth? Bateman. Uh, I I really like Jason Bateman. I think that um, like he's really good in this. Uh, I think perfectly cast in this because he is kind of the straight man in everything he's in. Um, most recently, I think there was that game night film really really funny with him in where he's playing essentially the straight man and uh, there's a Netflix show called Ozark where he is an accountant and like if you look at him you're like oh yeah he's an accountant I can I can buy that uh, he has a niche but he kind of like he's low key funny like he says funny things but they're funny because he's being reasonable in this world of ridiculousness yes and I think he's I, I really like Conjo. 
I was just going to say, I really like Michael Bleed's character arc as well, because like we say, the first episode, he's like almost the sensible one, and you know, everybody else is really reasonable and stupid, and he's like the sensible one, but they, they, they kind of go away from that as they move on, and it turns out that Michael is pretty much as corrupt, and he still has that little bit of like, almost like a moral superiority over the others, but at the same time, he still has that kind of blues kind of corruptness running through him it becomes um, and he makes more and stupid more of a decisions. pretense doesn't it joe like as yeah. you go along it yeah. becomes more of a i'm michael and i'm i'm the moral hold forther and you're <laughs> you're all horrible and it's like Ugh. yeah i don't know michael I, you had sex with the attorney that your father's facing in court she was blind <laughs> and then you then tried to like trick her you know, there's a lot of like questionable moral things this guy does throughout this yeah. show. You're slightly less terrible than the rest of your family, but that's a pretty low bar. Um, yeah. So uh, Sam, he does. He, he well, I say he does. Um, he does kind of. Yeah, he becomes more and more like the rest of them as he goes along. But in this first episode, he is very much like he he he's he's leaving at the end of the episode. Yeah. He's like, I'm done with you all. I'm going. I'm going to go We've to live in Arizona. Like that and that thought, is the I that. Speak to any of you ever again. I'm I'd rather be dead in California than yep. alive in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to George Michael, um, who, should we, who should we talk about next? The next introduced character, isn't he? In terms of yeah, the way George the show Michael, goes. which great yeah. name. Um, there are so many jokes to be derived from that. There was even some good jokes in season four. Um, well, what's he changed his name to? Uh, Boy George. There's a Boy George joke. Boy George. And, um, That's and, amazing. And there's another one as well. But like, there's there's constant jokes about that, and and it's like established that it's a stupid name. I don't know why he's got this name, but it's it's very funny, and it's a good performance by Michael Sarah in an mm-hmm. early role. It really does. It really does. Like. Um... Just the fact that he's called George Michael is just inherently funny. It's not even a slight on the real George Michael. It's just kind of like, just just how insistent they are about calling a George Michael. George, George Michael. Michael. You, the, the amount of times the amount of times you hear George Michael, it just the whole thing is just super funny. And I kind of like I love I love that attention to detail in a joke where they just they, they just they lean on it because it, they just don't. And and again, he's like almost the the kind of the. The innocent, um, the innocent one, you know, who, you know, doesn't really know what's happening, what's going on, that sort of a thing, um, <laughs> and then you know later yeah. on it turns out again he has the blues, but because you know he opens up, um, he, he kind of designs this company that makes loads of money, and it turns out it's it's an app, in fact, that, that makes loads of money, and then it turns out that it's all completely fake, um, and he's basically not got anything, and yeah, you know, fraud. Um, it's great. Just sidebar, we were, Sam was showing us some images of George Michael there. He looks quite young. George Michael, uh, young Michael Sarah looks quite a lot like young Sean Astin. I'm just just struck by that. There's, um, a, there's a Venn diagram somewhere, and then I think is, I, like, I think it diverges <laughs> quite quite extremely as they get older. <laughs> like, I, yeah, uh, Michael Sarah's like 40 now. What? It's something like that. It, it feels like that's... Michael Sarah had his moment in the sun where he played people between age 15 and 25. And he was in films for an entire decade doing that, and then he's gone again. Good for him, counting his money, and I'm sure he lives a very, very happy, comfortable life thanks to absolutely. To this show. And there's one of the most gifable moments in the entire of Arrested Development is when yes. he comes in with his bag <laughs> and he just <laughs> falls <laughs> on the floor 
and the bag drops and it's just like I think about it all the time like that is my go-to gift 90% of it of every day is like just falling on the floor and then the other one where he's outside and he does the same thing like I just his head down mm-hmm. you know walking very sadly yeah yeah it's beautiful let's um let's so I'm so split between who's my favourite character, my favourite performance in this show. Uh, you see, I haven't, I haven't fallen into that trap yet, Sam, because I, I think it changes so frequently depending on who is the, the last the person you saw. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna confirm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna commit to Will Arnett as Gobluth because, Gob, Job. I know, because there's just there's, there's Gob Bluth. Gob. Because there's just there's so That's much the joke. there's so much in in his performance. Like the assuredness that he manages to to get away with, <laughs> even though he's a total fucking idiot. And then and then just that over over the top performance I think is what makes this show. And there's other examples of it where you just have a character who is just an actor, sorry, who is just you know, kicking the arse out of a character and just going for it in every sense of the word. I just think it's a real multi-layered character mm-hmm. and really multi-layered performance. From a bit of a production, uh, apparently, it's part of the reason he was cast. Uh, they, they, he was the last um, main cast member to be cast, I think, because they really struggled to find somebody they liked. I think, from reading around, that the initial character like was written to be quite pathetic and a loser. And you know, kind of like Buster, but a magician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was Will Arnett who came and did the audition and, and did the, like all of that, but also supremely overconfident. And that's kind of like all baked into his. Like he believes he is the chosen son. He's the oldest. He's kind of like the, you know, what I mean, he's this alt, this confidence you just wish you could have, and at, at, at odds with the fact he's a magician. Number one, very funny, just off the bat. And that he is like so inept at everything he does. Yeah, absolutely nothing to back that confidence up whatsoever. He, he's not yeah. even a good magician. He's no, terrible. And, and Will Arnett, like, <laughs> I think he is one of the better actors in this. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, the woman who plays uh, the mother, uh, Lucille Blue, Jessica, Jessica Walter, yeah, Jessica Walter is perhaps like the best, like just on raw acting ability. I think that Will Arnett is maybe second to that. Like, he's doing a lot of work here. Whereas Jason Bateman, like, kind of plays the same role all the time, which leads me to believe that he's just playing Jason Bateman. You know, Michael Serrett. Jason Bateman is, is Jason Bateman. Exactly, Jason Bateman in Bateman. Will Will Arnett's character, um, Job, is a great example of like this is inherited wealth. You know, where you've got someone who just fails upwards and doesn't have any real repercussions for his actions. Especially when he, when he, you know, he was raised by a parent like Lucille, Lucille Bluth, who's possibly, possibly the worst mother on television, which I just love, and I, I totally agree. Jessica Walter's performance in this is, it's, it's just, it's so precise. It's so precise, and that her delivery on some of these lines are so cutting, and she can, you know, even just with a facial expression, she can destroy someone. Uh, in 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 a the, way, the perfect that... example in in this episode is when they're looking at the raft um, of the people protesting um, the boat, and and they're all like they're dressed as pirates, and um, it's what her daughter recognizes that like one of them's wearing a blouse that she has, and she's you know oh, I have a I have that blouse, and she just kind of turns to her and says, it looks better on them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just like deadpan. <laughs> yeah, there's a great cutaway as well where she goes, I love all of my children equally. Earlier that day, I don't care for Job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not too fond of Job. Yeah. It's um There's all there's all these great lines, isn't there? Um and I think I think she is like she is is one of those anchors for the show. Um and kind of because 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 she's because she's so horrible, it, she's kind of a lens through which the the show is is kind of mean about um, various people. Like she's pretty homophobic in this episode. Look what they've done, Michael. Look what the homosexuals have done to me. You know, and and it's it's the type of line oh, that you... they're, they're so dramatic, flam- flamboyant. I could set myself on fire. <laughs> I love that line. That's so funny. It was nearly my line for the intro. But they they, they can kind of channel a lot of the homophobia. And racism, and just general being a, a, a bit of a dickhead and bigot, through her, and it's kind of funny because you're laughing at the fact that she is a homophobe, she's a racist, you know, she's she's got all of these horrible character traits within within her, um, you know, uh, character. So it's it's just it's just such a it's such a great great uh, performance, and, and matched and matched as a terrible parent only by her husband George Bluth. Um, as a George terrible Senior father, George Senior is a Jeffrey Jeffrey Tam- Tamblor, Tamblor. Um, who plays George Senior. There's uh, a joke no one else it. gets. We're, we're, I know. We're, we're making a, we're making fun of the Gamblor of the Simpsons joke. So if you find that funny, then you can laugh. Now, there we go. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Tamblor. <laughs> you know, it's a shame that he's a bit of a. He's, he doesn't seem to be a very nice person. He was he was part of the issue. I think basically it turned out that you know on numerous different occasions he had um, Jessica Walters in tears, um, just by shouting at her, bullying her. Um, yeah, and, and multiple members of multiple members of the cast have spoken out about it after the fact, um, and how uncomfortable it made them. Basically, yeah, it's a bit shitty when you find stuff out like that, especially about a show like this, which is quite beloved. Um, mm-hmm. But the George Senior character is kind of like he's the father. He runs the company. At the end of this episode, he quote unquote retires, and then he's arrested. And initially, in the initial pitch for this show, that you basically you would only ever see George Senior in like, you know, you'd hear he, they'd refer to him, but the like the visit him in prison, which we get later on and things, was like a they liked Jeffrey Tambor, so. They wrote. They expanded the character to become part of the main cast. When, in the initial pitch, it was a we need somebody for this episode to wear a cowboy hat and retire, mm-hmm. and then go away. Yeah, and it was you know kind of like the janitor in Scrubs, I guess. You know, who's supposed yeah. to do one episode thing and then There's disappear. Loads and that was stories it. of this where like you know somebody involved in the production they hire an actor and they're like, I love this guy, let's just have him. And you, you know what? He, like, he is really, really, really good. You know, he is excellent at the character, and the, and the character is excellent. I think when as well. they bring in his twin brother, it's simultaneously the stupidest <laughs> stu- and they make all the easiest jokes about it but it's funny it's really funny him playing his identical twin brother who's also in love with his wife who may or may not be the father of his youngest son is just yeah. it's a real again a real chance to like have your you know have your gu- an actor you know play two roles uh, it's, it's literally just like him with slight like with like a slightly longer hair wig on the back of his head as well like <laughs> yeah, he's got Bill it. Bailey it's, hair. It's, yeah, that's literally all they do. It's not like they give him like a wig or anything like that. Really, they just put like a few extra strands on the back, and that's it. There you go. Keep going. Let's go to the Funke family next. Let's start with Lindsay, who 
who is um she's kind of like a bit of a slightly underplayed character i think there's maybe you know because she's a woman there's not really as many like haha laugh out loud jokes that they channel through her but although i must i must say the hoops thing had me absolutely laughing it just yeah hands off our penises <laughs> circumcision group her various um fundraising dinners you know and she's like yeah. it needs its ears or something oh, it's very very weird joke. Yeah. And then later on, she says, "Oh no, the the, the Jewish defense league, uh, defense league are after me." Um, <laughs> for, uh, so it's a circumcision. Yeah, because she was anti-circumcision. That's what hands off our penises were. Yeah. Oops. So there's lots of there's lots of like, but I do, I, I do think that they don't necessarily like go to Lindsay as a character that often. But I do love um, De Rossi's performance because I think she's just she's she's so buying into it all and it's one of those rare things in a show where every single character seems to be just like completely committed to what the bit you know committed to the fact that she's like her brother um job i think it comes down to knowing they're in a silly show and that like you know i mean it's a bit larger than life it's a bit mm. very physical very like daft yeah yeah so all and the characters the- basically only have negative traits yeah, but um, she is the one that Michael sometimes has kind of moments with, you know, of all of the family. Like, she's the one that Michael sometimes almost seems close to. And they kind of have her moments and Michael throughout. And the kids are like the. They're the ones that get the emotional, like, family yep. moments. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is that kind of like a bit of an arc that they channel through through them. I think this is a very long cast, but they're—I mean—they're all so funny. Like, I think let's let's talk Tobias, and then maybe, and then we'll finish on Tony Hale um, as Buster. Seems great. Uh, Tobias, David Cross. T- Tobias is one of those characters where I'm just like, he's my favorite character now because you know when he's in the Blue Man Group stuff later on, and the pirate <laughs> things in this in this pilot episode. I blew myself. Only gets funnier until it doesn't, and then it's funny again. It's it's a real. It, it's a sorry, go ahead, go on, Joe. I was just going to say, then, like the jokes they kind of go into into as well when he be when like the anus tart stuff and things, and then like they think he's a, they think he's a paedophile because like he goes to see his daughter and they think they don't realise it's his daughter. And he's on like that TV show and stuff, and he gets he literally gets a um, he literally gets, he gets a number plate a for anus list, tart. Yeah. He does, and he's and he's in his um, car number plate is anus tart because he wants it to say a new start. Um, <laughs> and Tobias, then, what does the become? Tobias character he, is. Stupid, but in like a you, it just comes across that you think David Cross is up for any kind of debasement. And if you've seen David Cross in anything else, yeah. I think that's largely true. Like true. he's a funny guy, and he's up to just like you. You do not feel sorry for him for a second. Like you, as much as you, you're almost as mean to him in your head as as all the other characters <laughs> are because you're like, you are just a fucking idiot. Like you're so detestable. I just, I, but that and that is that is the humor that. That they write a character so amazingly pathetic, like there's in, in the yeah, bit in this. Really go for it, yeah. They really, really go for it. He like later on, he becomes an, an analyst as well as a therapist, and he becomes an what he calls an anal rapist. But of course, when he gets a business card, it says anal rapist. <laughs> <laughs> on his business he gets card. even in season four. Tobias gets all of the funniest plots. So there's the. Uh, him breaking into the blind lawyer's place, that's a really funny bit. All the acting stuff. In episode two, he sits down and he decides he wants to be an actor. He picks I up do. a magazine from the store and he's like, oh, this is great. And it's 
because it's folded and it's actable. Ah, oh, actable, and he folds it out and it's tractable. Um, <laughs> and there's all sorts of like, duh, duh, duh. and then he spends the rest of the episode crying in the shower. Um, <laughs> I just blew myself. The blue. The never nude storyline is very uh-huh. very funny, um, and I think the best one is probably Mrs. Featherbottom. Yes. And probably when he jumps off that balcony with that umbrella. Straight through the table. I, I, I honestly just... It's the build-up. It's the explanation of why he's doing that. It's just like, this character is more insane than all of the insane people around him. It is It is wonderful. I do, and again, and we'll start talking about Will on it in a minute. I'll be like, he's my favourite character now, but this Tobias is just amazing. Let's... This is, we've gone along with Cass, but let's go to... Um, let's go maybe to maybe we're going to do maybe played by Alia Shawkat yeah so she's she, she again she's a bit like um, the, the, uh, George in that there's like a groundedness to her but I think she really comes alive in season two when she's the Hollywood executive Marry me. Marry me. Like all of that stuff. You look like a teenager. Oh, you marry me. It's, That's how you get a job in Hollywood, apparently. Honestly, it is absolutely hilarious. Like it's so it's so well pitched and I love I love the edge that she brings to this performance, um mm-hmm. uh because uh, she's able to like in in the way that George Michael is so innocent and like optimistic and you know, there's all these like nice qualities to him. You you can't you contrast that to um, to, to maybe who is grown up in a horrible household, you know, with two <laughs> psychotic absolutely parents. Absolutely no morals whatsoever. She doesn't give a shit. So she she is... pretends to be her own disabled twin sister <laughs> to to embezzle money from the charity she sets up for herself. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's great Didn't writing. She moves into like an elderly residence home at one point as well, and like lives with in an older woman. One, I well. think that's season yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she impersonates a movie executive for many, uh, for most of the sort of regular season run. Um, she's just uh, she has sex with a teenager in in season five, I think. Like she's <laughs> she's pretending to be high, a high school student so she can graduate from high school because she didn't bother doing it the first time. And she she literally statutory rapes a teenager, um, and it's like it's all played for laughs, and it's a very funny performance. But like I said, Sam, there's this she's an inherently likable character, and the performance makes her likable, I think, but also like a total wild card in terms of what is she going to do next. Yeah, yeah, kind of playing off the parents as well. <clears throat> so that leaves us with Buster, played probably, by probably one of my favourite characters Tony in this. Hale. Buster Blue, this is fantastic. The, the, he, Not he, maybe in this pilot, but in the series as no, a whole for sure. In the series as a whole, he like he really grows into it and the stuff like when he, you know, he joins joins army. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, he's gonna join back up and then get his hand bitten off by a seal and there's all the kind of jokes. It's a about loose, loose seal. seal. It's a loose seal. It's a loose seal. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, so in this episode he's kind of like he's it was my 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 opening bit, which is about his cartography lessons. Eighty thousand dollars in cartography lessons, and he doesn't know which color the sea is on the map. <laughs> he goes, they're trying to escape the police, and he goes, "Right, so all this blue, that's the land," <laughs> <laughs> which is just brilliant. But he does it, it. It's like he's just the epitome of absolute patheticness. Even the bit with the drums, he's playing the drums, and and, and Michael says, "Buster." Can you not play that on the on the on outside? You know, and it's on the just, balcony. On the balcony, like they just treat him like a child. 
And then and then he goes, no, mother says it's too windy. Too windy <laughs> That's yeah. the excuse why he can't it's play too the windy drums for on the balcony. Drumming. I There's don't an episode understand. later where like him and Michael go on a bike ride and like the mum drops him off and she's got like right well his sun cream's in there and his lunch and you know and don't let him go in the yeah. sea and yeah you know, and the one time he goes in the sea he gets his hand bitten off by a seal he's a and then he gets a hook man. which is yeah. great he gets like a hook with like diamonds and jewels encrusted on it <laughs> I do I do like it my favorite my favorite Tony Hale performance is Angry Buster. Um, and it, the, the the one where he says, "I'm going to war," like <laughs> that line, which is there's that there's that episode as well where like he, he like says loads of expletives and they obviously just beep them out. So like, uh, and he's just stood there, she's like something beep, something beep beep, and why don't you just yeah. beep? <laughs> and like all of the, the his brotherhoods, I think it's Michael and um, Job that are sat there with him, and they're just kind of looking at him like. What did you do? Yeah, because they've been like, "Oh, mum is such a bitch," and he's like, "Yeah, but beep, 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 beep," and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> "That's too far." Um, I will say that going back to this being a pilot, I think this is maybe the character that changes the most between yeah. this episode and future episodes because in this, I think they're going for a very like affluenza, like they're kind of tropey, like academic who never leaves school because they don't actually have any like talents or skills. And they've got the money to just keep doing, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that they kind of that's the story they establish, and they, you know, they very quickly just turn him into like essentially like a nurse's child, as opposed to that character, which I think is the right decision. But it's interesting the way that it's written in this, as opposed to the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So let's um, let's get into the plot, and I think we should maybe skim this. But what I'd like to do, I'd like to focus this discussion through the type of joke that they're telling because I think what makes um what makes the rest of the development so strong is their ability to like frame lots of different jokes. We we get a lot of musical jokes, we get a lot of jokes about um that a lot like a, like self referential jokes that just keep coming back and this actually sets up a heck of a lot. Like we, we, we see jokes in this that we don't get to pay off till later. So I just like keep that in mind as we go through um, it, it, it's what this this show did exceptionally well was like everything's all over the place in the first few episodes and then you know by the end of the season they've wrapped it all up brilliantly and everything all of a sudden just makes sense and it, there's jokes every 10 seconds in this pilot it's it's like a it's a do you know what it's a lot like a, a cartoon in that way there are low tons of sight gags in the background mm-hmm. that like blink and you miss it things my intro was um Frozen banana salesman <laughs> slash child. <laughs> when, when we meet all the family members, uh, like they've all got like it'll say you know Joe Bluth and it'll say you know Michael's brother. When you meet when you meet George Michael, it says George Michael frozen frozen banana salesman slash child, and he's the only one that's different. I think everyone else is like Lucille Bluth, Michael's mother, and you know you know George Senior, Michael's father, and it's just but like. Again, if you're not paying attention, or if you're just kind of like you just miss it, um, well, and there's it, tons of that, and and it's something they keep doing in the show. It comes it comes down to when this was put out as well, which will be on standard direct or network television. You know, like you wouldn't have the same opportunity to rewatch it and binge it, which is what I'm doing now. As I you know go through the whole series, and there are there are things I'm like I have to rewind that because there's a, there's there's something that you can see a sight gag that you can you just have to just enjoy a joke again because you have that ability to do so and that that's something you couldn't do 
in 2003 when this came out you know so but we we we, we mentioned the, the boat we mentioned the kind of boat party which is is george going to give michael the um the the leadership of the company he doesn't he gives it to his wife kind of to protect michael which is what we learn later on isn't it that there's actually a reason that he hasn't done that give them all criminals literally yeah, criminals the, the funds gives uh, him really bad what is it he advice. says yeah because he says oh yeah they can't try a husband and wife for the same crime and michael says i'm pretty sure Wait that's not true um, i have the worst fucking lawyers yeah. <laughs> but we don't meet we don't meet um uh the fonds we don't meet henry winkler until i think maybe the next episode few, or maybe a, a couple few, of no, it's another, another episode a few, or two a few episodes yeah. on but we do you know we do meet him and and that's a great recurring role um for this guy there's so many great recurring cast there's in a this, great though. Ben bit, Stiller. isn't there where um, you meet his son in i think it might even be season four henry winkler's not henry winkler's son sorry but the character's son who is played by the same actor who played the fonds in some sort of happy days like special or revival five or six years ago amazing like yeah. the, a, a level of attention to detail which you which you, you come to expect with this show like everything is so pin, uh, you know tack sharp isn't it in terms of it's the setup and is, payoff is sublime like I said there are things in this pilot episode um, the one that the one that I you know, caught on the on the back end was um, Michael's interview is at uh, Sitwell um, property or you know whoever who like in I think season two like they're then the the sort of rival company um, yeah, so with, you don't know how much of owner. that. You don't know how much with of that the, is intentional, or how much of with that an is like, owner with alopecia. And they really go crazy with the alopecia as well. Like have eyebrows falling off, and like his wiggle slip. And I do yeah. feel sorry for anyone who genuinely has alopecia because they're, they're not very kind about that. <laughs> about that, that you know, uh, 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 inflicted disease that, that some people have. Yeah. After the boat, we get to the banana sand stuff, and this sets up probably. One of the biggest, do you think it's probably the biggest like meme? The biggest, not meme. The biggest uh, recurring line from the show is that there's always money in the banana stand, and this it's, is it's where- basically the second episode. The second episode is all about how there's because Michael's looking for money, and every time he goes and sees his dad, and his dad's like, "There's always money in the banana stand," and Michael's like, "It sells frozen bananas. How's the money in a banana stand?" <laughs> And then they set it on fire and find out there was literally, um, it was literally lined um, with money. Um, So there was money inside the walls of the banana stand. But what we say weird, it's a weird thing to have in an episode before we get onto the actual jokes. Like I can only think that there must be some kind of like personal anecdote from one of the writing staff about this, because like the the idea is that George Senior built this banana stand in 1953. And the family still own and operate it, despite the fact that they've got this big, you know, multi-million company they're embezzling from and everything. Well, it, it's it's one of those um, it's it is one of those jokes, and the rest of Element's full of these. It's like, how did you even think of this? Like, it's just so obscure and detailed, and like, but it is it is because it works in the in this first episode. We see George working there, George Michael working there, and also we get to see. Um, like the interaction between maybe and George Michael, which sets off that plot line. So again, in terms of like your the, the quality of the writing in this, we get the banana sand stuff, which kind of runs through the first season. We get the setup of George Michael and maybe and kind of George Michael's infatuation with his cousin, and that is a storyline which leads to some incredible jokes. It's just amazing, amazing um, plot line, which is just so funny, and then. So the, 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 there's all of these like things, and and again the intentionality of that I think is really 
is really clear because they're able to make reference back to the first episode even in season five you know in terms of some of the plot lines that come up um so i think it's just it's it's just super fun it's super fun and and i love that i love that forethought you know Mm -hmm. where do we where are we next then we've got um we've got george george has been arrested which is which is funny when he's i love it when he's on the phone to the his assistant saying you know why are you crying and like shred that no keep that shred it and the all these things the thing and then he gets hidden in the the aztec tomb uh <laughs> joe jobs which is just it's just it's so funny and then like then the the news reader on it uh, on the show kind of says oh this is how this trick works and then job turns out gets thrown out thrown out of the um, magician's alliance because he's given up how the trick works <laughs> I love it's that. an illusion michael illusion michael my illusions. I love that joke later on, where he's like, I, you, the, "Some guy says to him, look, I just, I'd, I'd prefer uh, an alliance-approved musician. I'm really sorry." And some like 17-year-old kid says, "Yeah, fuck you, lose a uh, traitor or something." You know, it's dead fun. Um, we're back to it. I guess then the kind of final part of the of the 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 episode is is at the police station where we get to hear from Tobias about his he's had an amazing adventure <laughs> which yeah. is great I've made a realisation you're gay no how many times do you have to discuss that yeah <laughs> I'm going to be that is actor. a great running joke uh, the Tobias thing by the way going back to the production he's the other character who was initially intended I think to be like a a very very occasional recurring character but they yeah. or David Cross auditioned and this episode, you can kind of see the lines because the Tobias plot is very, very separate to the plot of the episode. And I think that is very intentional because they wanted an expanded role for David Cross. So they just have him doing his own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get lots of cutaways, which is a good example of a, of a, a very well-used joke in um, in this show. And it kind to of... newspapers as well. To newspapers. And security footage and all sorts like just really really like pushing i think pushing the the boundaries of of the type of thing you'd expect to see in a single camera laugh track laugh track um free comedy which again is you know relatively um out there in, for, for for the mm. early 2000s it reminds me of family guy which is obviously 1999 initially but that like i think they they come in the same package of kind of transgressive um, TV shows are, are, are being quite edgy, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit, and also, you know, using sitcom tropes and kind of subverting them. Um, it kind of, re- I think, I really put those two together in terms of like defining the 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 comedy stylings of the early two thousands. You mentioned The Office already, Dave, and that's similar again in terms of that handheld shaky cam type of thing. Um, yeah, kind of modern family a little bit as well. That's kind of kind of yeah. Modern family's like the, the developed version of that, I think, isn't it? That's like the real yeah. oven ready um, and consistent. In terms version. of narration, I, though, I was just going to mention the narration style, though. Like, I don't think there's many shows that have this kind of level of narration that works so well. We've watched a few kind of shows, um, pilots that kind of do narration. Um, there's a bit in Sex in and the City. Um, there's a, a lot in, in that. Sex in, in and the City. Uh, Outlander, where it's an absolute dreadful... Oh, God, we watched Outlander. I had really suppressed that from my mind. (laughs) You haven't watched all of the seasons yet, Dave? Get to it. 
Um, but you know, like it actually really, really works so well in this. Ron Howard does like a fantastic job, and obviously he does actually appear in person later on. Um, it's kind of running jokes um, about kind of season four, I think. Again, not initial, no original yeah. run. Was um, he was was because it, it's weird to have Ron, director of Apollo thirteen, as your as your voiceover. Like, yeah. I wonder why I think that initially they did it for this episode, initially. Yeah. As like a, as like a, it's a lazy, it's lazy. Usually, that's what we say about narration. It's lazy. It's a, it's a really quick and easy way to tell your audience what's going on without having to shoot it. Um, so, from a filmmaker, for a filmmaker to do it as well, it's lazy as fuck. Um, initially, they did it for this episode only, but they liked it so much that they kept Stuck it. With it. Mm-hmm. it works um, really, and then really well because Ron Howard had done the pilot and they liked it. He just did all of it. Um, it's kind it's, of it's a weird role. You, you would it'd be hard to imagine this show without the narration, though. Like even yeah. just the obviously there's the style and everything, but even just the mechanics of keeping up with the story it just brings it all together. It brings it all together. You'd really struggle to bring it all together without the, the narration of it. Well, you guys mentioned about Sammy mentioned that this doesn't have a laugh track, um, but I think it has. Maybe the closest thing to a laugh track, which is the musical beats and the musical score mm-hmm. it has, uh, which in tandem with the narration kind of like underline or reinforce or subvert every single joke in the series. You know, like uh, Job might say something like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And then the narrator will say he didn't. And yeah. then we'll go to the next scene or like, you know, um, Mike, you mentioned before George Michael being sad, like, like again the musical score while not a laugh track is doing so much work to kind of like set the emotional tone for a scene um or like you know it's not quite but you know i think actually there is some of that in this episode um on the on the boat for the party when when uh, michael's saying things that aren't funny and he's like it's not a joke stop it but you know like in the whole series it's kind of like a you know, it's a wonderful big one, way to add something. The big example of that one is kind of later on with Job, with the uh, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." Um, <laughs> that's that's the big, bit. big one. Yeah, they zoom in on his face whenever he makes a mistake. It's "Hello, yeah. darkness, my old friend." Definitely, but so much of it is so, so well done and so lightly done that, like, it's only watching this again and thinking about the podcast. I was like, oh yeah, there is almost every couple of seconds there is a, there is music going on to underline something. And they kind of use pauses a lot as well, you know, like sometimes if there's something that they're saying or like thinking, you know, like the, the actors will pause after saying something and just kind of like, you, like while you kind of, obviously that's where you're meant to laugh before saying somebody else says something, especially if you're doing something incredibly morally suspect. You it's know? good <laughs> understanding of, of comedic timing, isn't it? And we yeah. talk about that a lot and this is kind of like the best version of that. It's that recurring joke as well, isn't it? You know, it's that ability to bring back... Um, the jokes from earlier in the season, and you know, that I've made a huge mistake, and all these other things that they get Hello to roll darkness, out, my old friend, whenever they want. I just think it's 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 pretty. And the way they bring back characters as well—that's the other thing as well. They bring back characters so many times, like and the the joke with um, Anne as well, like just like who, <laughs> Egg? who, ham. <laughs> yeah, there was. As the, it is, is, as nose as the Anon plane's face or something like that, <laughs> that is one of the lines. 
<laughs> and then but she comes it's... back later on, and Job Job is um, dating her instead. It's so mean, isn't uh, it? I love it. It's it is. so mean, but that's kind of the thing. It's it is a comedy show, and it is mean. And you know, even in this episode, like Lucille is saying some really, you know, nasty things about you know gay people or foreign people. We get a lot of that. Like she's quite homophobic and quite racist, but like it's never the show never um, venerates that. It never like. It never casts it in a positive light, so no. I don't. You know, I still don't know quite how I feel about some of it, but ultimately, I think it's trying to sort of again. It's a, it's a straight comedy. It's not again kind of like Family Guy and American Dad do it, where like they're making these jokes, like especially American Dad, for example, like stands a right wing nut job, and it kind of like it's not saying this is the way to be. It's saying this guy's an idiot. Mm. It's saying, the comedy <laughs> is derived from how yeah. people like this exist, and they're fucking ridiculous. And and there yeah. might there might be an argument now where you think well. That's not really like it doesn't really justify making that joke because we, we you know no. we lose some of the context. But I I, I do think it works. Kind of moved on. I do think but it yeah. works in this show though. I think American Dad, way way less, way way less than <laughs> than what they're trying to do in this, which is it is much more pointing it at the the lines of look at this idiot. I'd like to talk about the casting just a little bit more in terms of the famous people that these that they managed to get on this show, and it's mm-hmm. quite extraordinary. We have Julia. Um, uh, Louise Dreyfus, Henry Winkler, Liza Minnelli, which I think I think Ron Howard was like, oh, too. I'd love Liza Minnelli, and then you know as like that's the type of person what they want, and then they manage to get her because you've got Ron Howard who has these. All what these were we talking about the other day? Where there was a similar thing where we want a we want the such and such type, and then they were like, well, can't we just get? Yeah, them. can we just get him? <laughs> oh yeah, actually. Yeah, we you want we... a Jim Carrey type? Well, would Jim Carrey be interested? For a Sonic, yeah. Um, we also get uh, Charlie Theron and Ben Stiller. Um, ben Stiller's in it, and of course, of course, Carl Weathers. Let's not forget Carl Weathers because he's also in... and and in like multi. Oh, Carl Weathers, how you've aged? Yeah, in in in, <laughs> in multi episode um, arcs as well. It's not just coming in for one episode. Like these are people. Who are very very famous and you know, would not have to do a show like this if if unless they really wanted to and I think it's that pull and it also it adds... comes from being Ron Howard and like having those connections from again if this was a young you know a young director young writer young uh, creator who's done nothing else like you just don't have like says you don't have the pull you don't have the connections you don't have the clout that Ron Howard does you can't you know pick up the phone and call somebody and say hey, do you want to be in this silly show I'm making. Like, because they'd be like, "I'm sorry, who are you? How did you get this number?" You haven't, um, you haven't even mentioned the likes of Seth Rogen and, um, of course, Terry Crews. They're both in it as well. Terry Crews. Oh, Terry, you lot, um, I love. I Terry think Crews. we think Terry Crews is a lot more famous than Terry Crews is. He's <laughs> just famous in like, I think just because great. of the bias. I love Terry Crews. Um, um, but Seth, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen's in it. He plays. Who's a he young, play in this? He's George Senior, young George yes. Senior. And the, the oh, I can't remember her name though. Kirsten Wig, isn't it? Yes, Kirsten that's Wig? it. Yeah, who plays the young? That's in season four, though, isn't it? So it's a bit later on. Four. Yeah, it's, it's much yeah, later four. on. But you know, these are still these are still quite big people that kind of they get in it as well. You know, yeah. They're, they're, it's like stunt, stunt casting, isn't it? But it's more acceptable in a show like this, where like especially Liza Minnelli is how that how she was on board for this, like and extensively as well. I mean, she must be extensively, in, in a lot of episodes. and she is just made episodes. fun of. Yeah. She's Vertigo. Yeah. Do you remember that plot line? It's just so it's so good. Like I think you know, in terms of like final some some final thoughts. 
I I think the this is a great show. It's so rewatchable. Even you know we're coming up to nearly ten years um, later. Like it's it's it is pretty nuts that a show is able to keep up in that way. <laughs> By ten years later, he means this episode aired eighteen years ago. I said we're coming up to ten years later. So you've kind of you 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 you're able to we're coming up to twenty years later. We're coming up to twenty years later. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I thought you were shitting on me for bad maths, which is not unreasonable. I was, I was. Twenty twenty one. I don't think it's bad maths, Dave. I just think he forgot time had passed. I we am, had this moment. Oh my we god! We had this moment the other day where um, is the eighties not twenty years ago? Well, literally, Sam. Uh, my brother said something. He's doing doing some work, and he said to this person's house. I was asking when it was built, and he said, "Oh, uh, it's, it's about twenty years old." So I was like. Oh well, yeah, they built some. They built some like really shocking, shocking houses in the early nineties. And he kind of looked at me, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Uh, carry the noodle. Two thousand and one. God, twenty years ago. Damn it, we're old. So this show is nearly twenty years old. We're coming up to twenty years old, which is extraordinary. The worst thing is, Dave pointed. I love the fact Dave pointed out the fact ten years old, and you just carried on through. I just assumed I was being attacked for my dyslexia. Yeah. So frequently, but I think to be clear, we're we're coming up to ten years on the first <laughs> revival of the show. Um, so 2013, I think, was season four, uh, which aired on Netflix. So that's nearly ten years ago. Uh, just, season five came out much more recently than that. I, I cannot. Really, I mean, this we're, we're coming this up, finished we're coming up to twenty years of knowing each other as well. It's not too far off. Don't count your chickens, Joe. I'm, I'm still looking for an out. Um, so, in this, this this got cancelled in two thousand and six, which you know is literally two years before I met you guys. You know, this is an old show, but I think it ages nicely because of the fact that it's shot on handheld, so it looks a bit shitty anyway. Yeah. But because it's that single camera, um, sort of like handheld look, it's more forgivable. It looks more stylized. And all the big all the big 2000s suits. I love George Michael's suit in this, which is so big. It's so too big for him, but he looks like he looks like a square, like a rectangle. It's the trousers, Sam. I feel like in the in the early aughts, trousers just didn't fit, and I think it's a holdover from the 90s where nobody had clothes that fit. So like now, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't make out your calves. What are you, some kind of like Skinny jeans. extremist which was your comeback eventually when we're when we're too far too old to care? Yeah, before we but go, now. we do final thoughts or anything. I just want to say, and it's fairly perfunctory. Is there anything you don't like about this pilot? Is there anything you think that maybe like isn't quite there yet? Um, I, it, it does cover a lot of it. It does feel it does feel a bit. It does feel slightly slow, just ever so slightly off the pace of the of the um of the rest of the series. But I think that's just kind of pilot growing pains. For me, no. No, I mean the, the yeah. I think some of that also is they're still trying to find out what they're doing with the characters. As we mentioned, there's a few of them they weren't yeah. sure they were going to keep, and they weren't really sure like where they were going with them. But th- there isn't much, you know. The the plot is fairly simple, and they spend the entire episode basically introducing you to this big cast yeah. of morally corrupt idiots, um, and it works so so well. I agree. And, to be and I think that like the biggest the biggest crime of this pilot is the fact it's a pilot. <laughs> the fact that you've got to spend your episode setting up the series, like 
even in episode two, that it's just like we're we're on board the funny train. Whereas in this, there's a bit more like, right, we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to tell you who these people are. Whereas, you know, every other episode of the series is kind of like it hits the ground a bit, running just a little bit more. But that's hardly a complaint because I think as a pilot. This ticks all the boxes, you know. Absolutely, um, up there with pilots that we've done. I can't think of many better, to be honest. It's it's maybe the closest to the season that followed of maybe anything we've done. I think. Mm. I think this is the maybe most... hoops. Hoops is up there, right? <laughs> I wouldn't know, Joe, because I haven't watched one second more of that. <laughs> one thing I'd like to just very just before I was really interrupted with my terrible maths is. I'm sorry, learn to fucking count. I should know this. I know you more than Coming up to 20 years. That's more years than you have fingers. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go. I've got no chance. Not fingers and toes, though. (laughs) It's the legacy of this is what I think is so impressive. Obviously, the show itself, but also it's the shows that it it helped create. You know, like, I think 30 Rock is the one for me that is just so, so... um, It it, it should be so thankful for Rest of Elmick. You know, this is what... I think it's another great Will Arnett performance. Absolutely great, yeah, very good. But there's, it's that real like ensemble cast, quirky kind of premise, and then just tons and tons and tons of jokes just thrown at you, so quick you can't breathe, and then um, lots of just self-referential jokes as well. I think that's the biggest thing with this, uh, with the rest of development, is just how they managed to create like a almost like a language. For the show, and it's like The Simpsons, Sam. It's so packed, it makes it one of the most rewatchable shows it does. ever made. And because you catch something new on, you know, the first viewing and the tenth viewing, and how it and how it really, how it really, um, it really rewards repeated viewing and binging. Which again, as 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 my final point, is why I think this flopped is because it, you know, if, if you weren't sitting down and, and engaging with this absolutely fully on a Tuesday night on Fox or whatever else that you know you're not going to get it it's it's going to completely fly over people's heads and that's why it had such low viewership and i think Netflix is what made this show the 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 real cultural success now 20 years later that it is i think yeah, that absolutely. and the internet to be honest i think that once this had like hit syndication I think this is like this is real early meme territory. Yeah, you know, um, and there's a reason for that. And this was always critically a critical darling. It won a lot of Emmys every single season, first three seasons, um, and it was very critically acclaimed. But like you said, Sam, Fox don't give a fuck. You know, they need they've got a bar of this many people need to be watching it. They don't really care about Emmys. You know, it's not like HBO, who maybe are the exception to that, where they are, you know, somewhat more interested in like making really acclaimed shows than just having ten million people watch them. Ten million people, TV wishes ten million people were watching things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are right. That's kind of maybe like maybe maybe if this had aired on Netflix, like this would have been the biggest show you know, ever, and we would have gotten far more of it than we needed, and we've already if, if got far out, more of it than we needed. Yeah, if it came out now, I think it would be kind of right up there with shows that were popular. Really, really would. No, totally, totally, um, and especially maybe, you know, if it come out early Netflix time. I mean, you could kind of see that in the revivals. Um, mm-hmm. The 2013 was season four, and then season five, 18 and 19, and like, you can kind of see it's tired by that mm. point, but... 
yeah. if it had never been cancelled and if it had been released on streaming it's kind of built for that it's built for you yeah. to sit and watch 10 episodes in a row it's built for you to watch all over again straight away and like you know it just would have run for 12 seasons and eight of them would have been dreadful so I'm kind of happy enough that it got cancelled to be honest because I've had so many TV shows ruined by people not knowing when to like put a bullet in it the big one that we always talk about is Firefly and how grateful we are they did actually stop after one season um, <laughs> in hindsight yeah but like I don't know Joe ten years ago I was probably still railing about how he never oh, exactly. got a second season <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Heroes is the best example of a TV show that should oh, have been cancelled after one season eating itself that's the snake eating itself that's the thing we've talked yeah. about lots of let's, um, let's, let's end our discussion Arrested Development and Let's let's just preserve in our heads that there are three seasons of absolute quality television in this. Gold. And you know what? Solid as a rock. There it is. That's the end <laughs> of the episode. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you. I just blew myself. <laughs>